Those are just some glimpses of the uh, prayer room that uh, we've set up for a prayer vigil that starts today. Today at 5 o'clock is uh, the first uh, hour of the prayer vigil, and we want to invite you to be a part of it. Uh, this is the eighth year we've done this, and uh, every year has unique elements to it. And uh, this year we are talking about praying freely, so we're following on the theme of freedom that we've been talking about on Sunday mornings and small groups have been talking about as well. And we want you to be a part of that. We, um, we hope that you'll take advantage of the opportunity. Sometimes it's helpful just to step back from life. And an hour may seem like a long time if you haven't done it before. Most people re- respond by going through that and saying the time went faster than they could have imagined. So you can sign up this morning, uh, immediately after the service. There's a computer in the back. Anytime you get on the Internet, you can sign up. Call the church office if you don't have Internet access or if you want help with that. And we'll be glad to help you sign up this morning and throughout this, uh, the next three weeks. At 4.30 today, we have a service here for about a half hour or so, just as a, uh, as a kickoff for the prayer uh, event. And it's a time we'll sing together, we'll pray together, we'll light candles, and uh, just... A time for us sort of to join our hearts together as we pray, uh, which is really what we're wanting to do. Uh, the point of the coming to the prayer room every hour is to sort of create a chain of prayers. And when you, when you come out and you see someone there, uh, you sort of hand off your prayers to them. And when they're done, they hand them to the next person and on you go as uh, we complete these uh, three weeks of praying together. So let me invite you to uh, be a part of this time together. You'll also notice there's an insert in your bulletin with a couple of uh, two sides to that. And uh, one of them is about Wednesday night, Operation Christmas Child. We're going to pack boxes. Love to have all of you there. And uh, as I said to the earlier services, I think there will be food involved. I can't guarantee that. But if you bring food, then there will be food involved. But, no, you don't need to do that. But uh, we just want a time of fellowship together as well as working on this project. And uh, we, we want this to be an intergenerational Gatherings, so uh, so come and be a part of this. You may have a chance to interact with folks you don't normally have a chance to. And then two weeks from today, we're hosting a uh, a lunch uh, for Houghton College students. And we, uh, if you're a student, we invite you to to come to that uh, after the services. And uh, if you're a community member, we'd love to have you be a part of that as well. But uh, we are hosting this dinner and it's a chance to get together. It's just a chance to connect, get to know others a little bit more, and to uh, connect life uh, in that way. When you think about life, um, most of us would probably have, we have ups and downs to life, but I would think that sometimes we all agree that life is difficult. And I think it's particularly difficult, if we're honest, to be a, a follower of Jesus in a world that typically doesn't reward or affirm followers of Jesus. We kind of like followers of Jesus who sort of follow, I don't know, what I sometimes call a sort of a folk religion, where it's, it's being a follower of Jesus that makes everybody happy. But being a true follower of Jesus is actually more demanding than not. It, it, it's a lot more demanding to respond to someone who has hurt us by loving them than it is by seeking vengeance on them. It's a lot more challenging to, uh, to live your life Thinking of others first rather than me first. 
It's a lot more challenging to live as someone who, who in the midst of life's difficulties and opposition and struggle, to live a life trusting Jesus as opposed to trying to control life on our own. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't equate more challenging with, with not as good. Because in the end, living for Jesus is the best way to live. It is the, it is the way that, we have, that Scripture talks about over and over again to leading us to the fullness of relationship with God. But in the midst of this world, as we live in this, in this place, and we live out our lives in this culture, it is a challenge sometimes. And one of the challenges we're faced with is the same challenge that the people through the ages have faced, including the people to whom James writes. The challenge is living for Christ in a world that is opposed to Christ while we wait for Christ to fulfill his promise of returning. I mean, why do we do this? Why do we, why do we live the challenging life? Why do we live the demanding life? Because we believe that God is who he says he is and that God's going to do what he's promised to do. And that one day, God, Jesus is going to reappear and God is going to make everything right. And so we live in the context of that truth. And James is writing, saying, do you really live in the context of that truth? And throughout this letter, he's been challenging the church. And he's challenging us to live in that light. To live as so other people look at our lives and say, they really believe that the promises of God are true. They really believe that Jesus is going to do what he says he's going to do. And that he's done what he promised to do. They really believe that. And one of the ways in which that that we see that revealed in followers of Jesus is what we do with our words. And chapter 5 has a lot to do with words. Because we can use our words negatively or we can use our words positively. And James warns the church about using our words negatively. And when we use our words negatively, he said it tends to come out as grumbling, complaining, divisiveness. We live as if we don't really believe that Jesus is going to do what he said he's going to do. He talks about taking oaths. It seems an odd thing to throw into the mix here. But he's not talking about the kind of oaths that we might take in a court of law. He's talking about just how we interact with each other in relationships. And I think the reason why this is so important to him is because if the only way people will believe us and believe what we say is if we swear on the Bible or on someone's grave or cross my heart and hope to die, you know, that thing we used to do as children. And the only way people will really believe that we, are, that we are truthful and that we mean what we say is if we add that to it, then something is wrong with how we're living. Something's wrong with our words. We are, we are living up to the words that we proclaim. And, and, he's, and what does a Christian have except in many ways our reputation? To do what we've said we're going to do. To live the way we said we're going to live. And granted, we all fall short of that. But the passion, the desire, the yearning. And people see that. And so we can use our words negatively. And when they come out negatively, it is a hint that perhaps we are not as fully on board with the promises of God as we think we are. But then he says, use your words positively. And you get to the beginning of verse 13 and on through verse 18, he says, 
when you think about how we use our words, reflecting what we believe about God and what we, and we believe that what God has said is true, how does, what does that look like? What, is, how, what does that come out as? And he says, really, you could sum up what he says in one word. We pray. We pray. And the reason he can say that is because when we pray, we are declaring that we believe God is who he says he is. When we pray, we believe, we are saying, God, I need you because I and I believe that you are the only one who can help me. You're the focal point. You're the center of the struggles and the difficulties of my life, and I'm giving it to you. And so he says, as chapter 13, if, if someone is, is struggling, then pray. If someone is happy, offer prayers of thanksgiving to God. If someone is sick, get the church together and pray for them. We pray. And prayer is a declaration, as best we know how, that says God is who he says he is, and we trust him that we are giving this to him. And in essence, that's what we're doing when we pray. It's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. Sometimes as we do that, especially when we deal with difficult things, we are... We find it hard sometimes to have the kind of faith that we see described by James here. He talks about Elijah who, who had the kind of faith that uh, he prayed to God for it not to rain and it didn't. And, when he, and he prayed to God that it would rain and it did. That's faith that's kind of hard for us to grasp sometimes. When we're in the middle of situations, when we're in the middle of difficulties, sometimes it's, it's hard to find that faith. And what do we do? We help each other. We pray for each other. We support each other. I love the story in Mark chapter 2 of Jesus going to a house to teach. It's early in his ministry. And um, he's there teaching. The house is full of people. And there are four guys who have a friend who's paralyzed. And they want to bring him to Jesus for healing. And so they put him on a stretcher and they carry him to the house. And they can't even get close to getting in because the place is just packed. And so I suspect a lot of us would say, well, sorry, we tried our best. Nothing we can do. And maybe we catch him tomorrow. But they're not going to do that. They climb up the steps to the roof of this flat roof. And they start taking the roof apart. I wonder what it was like to be sitting down there in the house. You know, you're like, what's going on? Have we always had a skylight? I don't remember always having a skylight. Have I, have I missed that? And then this guy comes lowered down into the, into the room right in front of Jesus. And Mark tells us that when Jesus says that when Jesus saw not his faith, but their faith. He forgave his sins and healed them. There is something in that that I think we miss about the church. That we are sometimes, we are faith for each other. And when James says, if you're struggling with these, these deep issues of hurt and pain and illness and all the things of life, get the church together, pray for each other because we are faith for each other. It's what the church does. It is what it means to, to help each other live our lives communicating, believing that God is who he says he is. That God's going to do what he says he's going to do. And that's exactly what we want to do this morning.
We're going to do something different this morning than we typically do. We have done this a few other times. We're going to spend some time praying for each other. In a moment, I'm going to ask the elders and pastors who are here to to come up front, to stand behind the altar rail. And then I want to invite you to come and to let us pray for you. It doesn't matter what the need may be. To come and let us pray. We have oil for anointing. James mentions that. There's nothing magical about using oil. It does represent in Scripture the the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's it's one more tactile way of, of encountering God. But we want to have the privilege of praying for you. You may, you may come, we've, throughout the, this morning, we've had a number of people who've come and prayed for uh, just a, a yearning in their heart. We've had people come to pray about family situations. We've had come, people come to pray about different kinds of illnesses, the whole gamut. You may want to come and pray in proxy for someone else who's not here today, but you want us to pray for them through you. Whatever the situation may be, we want to, to pray for you. And as we're praying, there will be images and scriptures up on the screen so that you have some, you can meditate on that, think about that. And ask that God will, will just continue to speak into our hearts. As the church, we pray for one another. So I'm going to ask the elders, the pastors to come. And those of you who would like for us to pray for you, please come as well. If coming to the altar is difficult, just come stand or come sit in one of the red chairs. And uh, we'll come to you uh, where you are.